This is Larie Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. the words exonerated five you already many of you know what that means and for some of you who do not this is going to be an opportunity for you to hear in his own words his experiences as someone who was a part of that moment in time Yusuf Salam uh, brilliant member of the exonerated five author of better not bitter living on purpose in the pursuit of racial justice is joining us today uh, Mr. Salam thank you thank you thank you so much for being with us and for uh, being willing to share your story Laurie, it is definitely a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I'm struck by the title of your book because, frankly, if anybody has a right to be bitter, it's you and the brothers who were involved in in this and who were falsely accused, falsely and wrongfully convicted of of, uh, sexually assaulting the woman popularly known as the Central Park jogger. That's the headline. And, And so when I see the title of your book, Better Not Bitter, Living on Pursuit, uh, Living on Purpose in the Pursuit of Racial Justice, I am, one, I am actually put ashamed because I'm ashamed of myself <laughs> because I feel like you are speaking to a better angel than even I know how to do. For people who don't know that story of what happened to you and the other four young boys who experienced this moment, talk to us a bit about what that headline means to you and talk to us about who you were before that headline became such a defining point in your own life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Better Not Bitter really is my understanding of something that Nelson Mandela said. He said that being bitter is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. Mm. You're the only one that is carrying around the ball and chain of the wanting that is required for you to be able to move on with your life. And so you have to, at some point in your life, understand that forgiveness is not for them, but it's for you. It's for Mm. you to be able to surgically remove yourself from the ball and chain holding you back. You know, here it is, 32 years ago, I was 15 years old. Some of my comrades were 14 and others were 16. And we were run over by the spike wheels of justice, introduced to the world as the scum of the earth, as pariahs. Mm. 400 articles, more than that actually, were written about us tearing apart our lives and criminalizing us. And the platform that they created for us was a platform where there were nooses hanging, waiting Mm. for them to kill us. Donald Trump takes out a full-page ad calling for the state to kill us. And right on the heels of that, mind you, Donald Trump's ad ran two weeks after we were accused. Mm. And so we didn't have the opportunity to be seen as innocent until proven guilty. The system looked at the color of our skin and not the content of our character. And they made sure that they said guilty before the guilty verdict even came down. Mm. Pat Buchanan then writes in the New York papers, I think it was in the New York Post specifically, that we should take the eldest one, Corey Wise, and mm-hmm. hang him from a tree in Central Park. We should take the others, he said, and horse with them. And he said we should do this by June 1st. This was the atmosphere that people found out about the five of us. This is where we were born into. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about Better Not Better Living on Purpose in the Pursuit of Racial Justice is that It is my memoir, yes, but it is not just my story. It's the story of the black and brown experience in America. Mm. It is the story 
of the over 400 plus years of oppression that we've ex- we've experienced in this country. I remember reading somewhere that if America could speak, the first thing it would do is cough up blood. Ooh. There's been so much history that has been hidden under the rug. Now is a reckoning. And the best thing about today, and I'm talking about today in the context of the daily events, is that our ancestors' wildest dreams mm. have poured out into the streets, and the streets have erupted with new language. It used to be that we would say that the system is broken. We would say that the system is alive and well. And now we know that the system is not broken, that it is That's actually right. operating exactly as it was designed. Yes. That the system is alive and sick. And even though the Constitution opened with these words and were ratified by saying we the people, mm. black and brown bodies were considered only three-fifths of human beings. But this is a new day. We are the people today. Mm. And we are pushing forward. We are ushering a new change. We are transforming everything around us because true abolition is not living in a state of lawlessness. Mm. It is living in a state where the kaleidoscope of the human family is finally respected, uplifted, and allowed to psychosocially exist because we all matter. That's right. Dr. Salam, you mentioned the need to surgically remove ourselves from that ball and chain of that bitterness. And I'm imagining that people who are listening, while most of us have not experienced anything as dramatically tragic and, and traumatizing as your experience, we all have our own personal health that we sit in. We all have our personal uh, reasons for, for bitterness and, and anger, whether that uh, be in, in our personal lives, whether that be as a result of, of some sort of systemic racial uh, attack. What does that surgical extrication from that, the reason for our bitterness, what does that look like? I, you know, when I think about uh, friends of mine who I have who may be incarcerated or family members, I, I can think about them in the general sense. I think about them in the personal sense, but no matter how much I pray, no matter how much I might cry, being the one in the cage who has to figure out how to separate yourself from bitterness. And that's the cage of being incarcerated. Yes, but it's also the cage of the internal carcerations that we often live in. What does it look like to separate ourselves from that bitterness, specifically with an eye towards living with purpose? You know, a lot of it has a lot to do with you having your Sankofa moment. Ooh. You have to remember in a sacred memory kind of way that through the mitochondria DNA of our life, we were born on purpose and with a purpose. Now, mind you, I've gotten the opportunity to listen to great motivational speakers like Les Brown. I'm actually good friends with Les Brown Mm. Um, and a lot of great speakers, you know, E.T., I've listened to him. And we need that kind of motivation in our lives. I'll never forget, he told me, he said, you know, Yusuf, when you wake up in the morning, It helps for you not to turn on the news. It helps for you not Mm. to reach for your phone to look at social media. He said your mind is operating at 10 wave cycles and is very suggestible. So if you take the time just to begin to dream about what it is that you want. Wow. He said the imagination is the precursor of what's to come. So imagine Yusuf Salam being 15 years old and then 16 years old being convicted and then going to prison for a crime that he did not commit. Now, I'm just a microcosm of the macrocosm of all of us. Mm. I had to learn how to dream that impossible dream. 
And instead of being in a space where I could turn on mood music and white noise and sit in a Zen pose with my hands in a particular fashion, I had to learn how to pray first, which was Mm. me talking to God. And I then had to learn how to meditate, which was God talking back to me. Mm. And that meditation for me, especially in the prison, and I'm using the prison specifically not just because of what you ask, but I want people to know that as we walk around in the noise of society, it is very difficult to breathe, to take moments of being able to, you know, imagine anything. Yes. And so in the prison, I had to develop myself in such a way that my meditation happened with me walking down the corridors. Ooh. Past people who wanted to murder me, past rapists, past killers. I had to push my energy out in such a way that I parted the Red Sea just like Moses. Oh, my God. There's nothing special about that, right? I'm saying that we all have this great ability. We can look in the mirror right now and tell ourselves that we are worthy, that we were born on purpose and with a purpose. And that sacred memory that I was talking about, you know how we know that we were born on purpose, that we are actually walking miracles, regardless of how we got here? Our mothers and fathers... When they were in the act of creating us, we all were one of over 400 million options. Mm. And God chose us. I mean, imagine, like, we can play yes. around a little bit and say, you know, one person jumped in front of the other and said, me? No, 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 not you. Come on, <laughs> come on. Not your time yet. You, right there, you. And all of a sudden, God says, be to you. Mm. And therefore, you are. Here you are in this world. And the whole world especially if you're a black or brown person, is throwing dirt on your birth. Yes. It is telling you that you are worth nothing. And guess what happens in the black and brown communities? And more than that, the people who've been pushed to the margins of life. If you believe that you are worth nothing, you begin to move throughout your life as if you are a mistake. That's right. When the actual, the absolute opposite is true. You are worth everything. You are the future movers and shakers of tomorrow. And so if you look in the mirror and look at yourself in your own eyes and tell yourself that you are valuable, that you are worthy, that you are a king, you are a queen, you are more than what they want you to be. Mm. And then I need you to go a little bit further because that imagination that Les Brown said is the precursor of what's to come. I need you to marry the visions of success with the feeling that you think it would feel like. This is how we activate the law of attraction. Come on now, Doc. We need to push as much feeling, as much thoughts, as much ideas into that space because anywhere your mind goes, your body follows. Mm. You can liberate yourself from any prison that is holding you down by using the most powerful weapon, your own mind. Dr. Salam, I, I am. So we do this little ritual uh, every day on the show. We take the, the, before we get into the news of the day, before we get into any of the, the challenges of the day, we have our our moment of gratitude. And it's a segment mm-hmm. where we re- we take a deep breath and we remind ourselves to find something to be appreciative of, something that gives you a happy feeling and then hold on to that feeling as long as you can. And something I've always said, which is that joy, intentional appreciation and gratitude, these are also forms of resistance and empowerment. But what you just said is that it also allows us to attract to us 
the beauty of life that is rightfully ours. And as yeah. I'm thinking about living and aligning with purpose and, and the ability to take breath and the vision of you walking through, uh, parting that sea, walking through the, 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 what many would have us believe is the worst of our society who had negative intentions towards you in a walking meditation surrounded yeah. by uh, the challenges of life. It is such a metaphor for how we as a people are also forced to live on the outside. And when I think about how we aim the power of what you just said towards the pursuit of racial justice, of, of equity, I am empowered in, I, I have a sense of, I just got a surge of energy just hearing you say that. <laughs> but can you talk to us a bit about how we intentionally, once we are at that space or, or as we are getting to the space where we are able to walk in our meditative purposes, how do we then aim our, our direction towards creating more racial justice so that our base Babies won't have to be at risk of suffering uh, what you and your beautiful, beautiful comrades had to endure. You know, it's the pontification of everything great. It's the thoughts that we use in order to make sure that it's so, right? We've heard words like Afrofuturism. Mm. We've seen great works that Ava DuVernay and countless others have provided us with the imagery of what's possible. Yes. And I think that as, as, as we want more luck to be in our lives, we have to understand that even luck is an acronym that stands for laboring under correct knowledge. <laughs> As you move in that truth, you will appear to have a lucky life. Why? Because you are laboring under correct knowledge. As you stand up, just like the Central Park Five, as we were once known, right? We came out of prison and we were hiding in plain sight. We did not want to be seen. Wow. Here I am over six feet tall and I'm walking around with my head down inside. I needed to know that I could lift my head up. I had to hold my head up. I had to remember that my grandmother wrote me letters when I was in prison and called me Master Yusuf Salam. Mm. But I am the master of my faith, right? And so I had to conquer my fears. And then guess what I found out? I found out that fear is also an acronym that stands right. for false evidence appearing real. I mean, imagine that. As mm. soon as you conquer your fear, you start saying to yourself, what was I afraid of? As soon as I began to talk out, to speak out, I began to turn up my own light, just dissipating the darkness around me. And that's what we need more of. Mm. We need more people to be able to vibrate at higher levels yes. instead of the level that is trapping us down to the gravitational core of the earth. We need to use as much energy as we have in our power mm. and then ask for more so that we can get out of the gravitational pull, pulling us down, giving us this false definition of our own lives. Remember, my mother said to me 32 years ago, when she got me out of the clutches of the enemy, we see it in when they see us. She came into the interrogation room and got mm, me out of there. Yeah. But she had just a moment with me. And what my mother told me in that moment was, they need you to participate in whatever it is that they're trying to do, mm. do not participate, refuse. Wow. We have to participate in our self-worth, in mm. our value. We have to make sure we do not participate in our own self-destruction. All wow. around us, they will provide avenues and options of destruction, right? In our communities, if we're in the margins of life, we have liquor stores in we probably have a liquor store in every corner, yeah. right? And they became essential in COVID-19, mm. right? And I'm not saying 
that there's no value in that, right? But what I am saying is that in our communities, when we look at the health disparities, when we look at all of the challenges that we were facing in this pandemic, we were facing two pandemics, one where we were oppressed and we were losing our lives at the hands of people who are supposed to protect and serve us, and the other because of the conditions that have been given to us, Hmm. that we put in our mouths, that we put in our minds, that we use and see with, that we listen to, right? As soon as something happens, they say, hey, let's, let's hit them with another opportunity for them to be buck dancing instead of prancing. Mm. And so we have all of these challenges that come out. I challenge us to remain unified. I challenge us to keep wow. our, our eyes on the prize. I challenge us to be so laser focused in life that instead of us looking at our lives individualistically, that we collectively break generational curses by wrapping in our own dioxyribonucleic acid, Mm. the baton of success that we pass back to our future generations to come so they will know exactly what to do, how to do it, and why to do it. Dr. Yusuf Salam, author of Better Not Bitter, Living on Purpose in the Pursuit of Racial Justice. It has been an absolute joy uh, to hear you in conversation or to be in conversation with you and to hear your wisdom. I feel like I, I often tell people, I hope you got a pen and paper. I was taking rapid notes. So I hope the key, the sound of my keys clacking as I was typing what you were saying <laughs> did not distract you. Uh, I, I have so many more questions for you and, and I know our time together is short. I hope we can get you to come back. Uh, I'm asking our audience to check out your book, to go get it. It's on Amazon right now. Better Not Bitter, Living on Purpose in the Pursuit of Racial Justice. I feel like this might need to be a book club pick. Uh, so, so Dr. Salam, I'm hoping we can get you to come back and talk more with us about uh, some of the lessons that you learned and some of the teachings that you are providing, because it really is uh, helping us to see things a bit differently. And, and thank you so much for your sacrifice uh, and for putting your, your experience down on paper so that we could be all better off for it. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. You know, we all have the opportunity to be, to be better, not better. And we all You know, in my last words, I want to say that we have to remember the words of Dr. Maya Angelou, which is in my book as well. She said, you should be angry because anger, I think, allows us to change our conditions. But she said, you should not be bitter. Mm. She said, bitterness is like a cancer. It eats upon the host. It doesn't do anything to the object of this displeasure. Then she teaches us all how we can all become alchemists. She says, use that anger. You dance it. You march it. You vote it. She said, you do everything about it. And then she said, you talk it. Never stop talking it. 